Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Today, Andrea connects with John Kramer to talk about his Lego church ministry and about his passion for disability awareness. So let's listen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Creatively Christian. I'm your host, Andrea Sandifer, and today I am joined by a very special guest. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this unique conversation with John Kramer. And John is coming uh, to us from the Lower Peninsula of Michigan, and we're really excited to just share um, his unique story and his unique artistry with you today. So, John, welcome. Thanks for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, this will be really fun. I've been looking forward to uh, just having this conversation and letting everybody know what you're up to. This is really cool. So so let's just kick things off by having you tell us a little bit about your creative background and how God called you into your Lego church ministry. Well, to give your audience a kind of an idea here, I build every year starting around February and lasting for about one to two months, depending on a dozen different factors, I build a very large scale, minifigure sized church out of Lego bricks. Uh, it is your typical Catholic parish done in Legos. And we're talking like kitchen table sized here. Uh, I think season 22, my tw- 22nd year doing this, I think I'm measuring about 47 by 25 with the height to the tip of the bell tower, about 23 inches, which is about on average within the last couple of seasons, <laughs> with a full interior of over 200 some odd minifigures sitting inside. So, so this is just not an exterior building, but a really impressive interior as well. <laughs> yeah, very impressive. And I mean, 22 seasons. So like, when did you start and like, what, what was it that called you into doing that in the first place? Well, as I often joke around with my friends and stuff, growing up, they were building these impressive spaceships, and I was not gifted with that ability. So what eventually happened was, is in my family, the Catholic Church is the forefront of who we are. Uh, so going to Mass uh, every weekend was, that, that was the family gathering. Uh, along with usually with dinner afterwards and such. So, so our lives, our lives around revolved around that. And so I kind of took this childlike ambition and started building these buildings, which eventually turned into churches. And it just, it was just something to do at home. It was something I was building around Christmas time. It became important to me at that point. As I got older, the debates about whether I was going to keep doing this or not kind of were floating in the back of my mind. I was like a 20-something year old, uh, not fully sure what he wanted to do with the rest of his life, uh, struggling with my own challenges with the various disabilities that I fight with. And I had a chance to take one of my projects, which eventually became known as season one, to a small uh, Catholic charismatic community in Flushing called Mount Zion. Mm -hmm. I did a one-weekend display. It was at middle of end of my season at that point. Uh, the building probably should have taken, been taken down a couple of weeks beforehand because we're starting to have some issues. But it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, flash forward to my fourth season, 
that's when things really kind of took off for me when I did my first Christmas display uh, at what eventually was, was my home parish growing up and eventually became my home parish again when I moved back to the area. Uh, and it's a display that has been ongoing uh, ever since. That's really <laughs> so cool. Kind of, and then as, as the years have kind of gone on, I've kind of developed this into a disability ministry uh, focusing on the fact that no matter what challenge or disability you face with, in my case, a mild form of cerebral palsy, God can still use your talents mm. uh, in amazing and creative ways. Uh, it's something that I live, and that's something that, that I like to share with others uh, every chance I get. Excellent. Yeah, and I, I it's, I mean, 22 years, you've been doing this for a long time, and I can only imagine the evolution of your designs, and, you know, what were those first displays like um you know and I you know I know we've talked a lot about like what your current design is and, and we're, we're going to share a lot about that coming up here but like when you first started were you just kind of experimenting were they smaller scale and what was you know who um who was it in those situations in those initial displays that really kind of spurred you on is there anybody in particular that really encouraged you forward well, what happened was the, the first couple seasons were kind of very primitive. If you were to look at the early seasons now versus what I'm doing at the present, they were very rudimentary. They were, the buildings outside were very elaborate, but the insides were very limited. I had not really kind of made the connection to actually uh, do something more dramatic at that point. I didn't even think such a thing was possible. Mm. Uh, so the first four seasons have a very simplistic interior compared to the rest of the building. Uh, what happened was I eventually started going up online doing a little bit more research. I found a lady by the name of Amy Hughes and her, she did this Church of Christ in this beautiful, with this beautiful interior that is something that just really got my attention. Mm. And I thought it was very important to try and bring that kind of style into the project that I was working on uh, to try and make it a little more realistic. So season five is when I had the first fully layout interior with pews, full altar, everything you can think of. So things kind of really kind of transformed in that. One of the people that was very instrumental for me uh, was the priest uh, at St. Helens Catholic Church at the time, Father Emma Marceau, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, he was the one that first allowed me to bring my project to that parish for Christmas. And that's when it kind of became this yearly tradition after that. Nice. Uh, and he really was instrumental in allowing that to happen. That's really kind of how the project kind of took off from that point uh, and really kind of transformed from some kid's toy into something a little more profound. Yeah, truly profound. And I, yeah, we're going to have to share some links to some of the the pictures, the albums of your past seasons, because I think people are going to really want to take a peek into uh, what these are like. And, and I love that um, he was so encouraging to help this become a yearly thing for you now. That's really awesome. Yeah, and, I really, I really admire the fact that he was willing to do that. And yeah. uh, in fact, I, I'm on season 15, I think it was, I actually, he was visiting the parish uh, because our pastor at the time was undergoing uh, some stuff 
and he was subbing and I was able to get a picture with him one of the last times I got to see him in person hmm. um, so he got to stand by one of my works and it was just just a monumental thing for me truly uh, kind of a full circle beautiful yeah. moment I'm glad good so you hinted at it when we were first started talking you start in February so but you don't display until like the advent season so uh actually not quite okay under normal under normal circumstances and unfortunately the last couple of years have been far from normal oh true <laughs> uh, usually what will happen uh is once the the advent christmas display that i talk about that is my last display of the entire season hmm. when it comes home from that display usually in january because the christmas season in our church will usually run from Advent all the way to the middle of uh, January. The day that it comes home, I tear that season apart down to the bare studs. And then usually a couple of weeks later, I start the process again. Wow. Uh, the build time will usually run one to two months, starting in February or March, depending on what's going on. Uh, and then usually I can usually start doing displays, uh, usually within about a couple of weeks after I finish the build. Oh, okay. uh, and one year, I think two, uh, would have been season 18. Uh, I had that one dedicated to uh, a Capuchin monk out of Det- who served time in Detroit by the name of Father Celeste Casey. Uh, I think when, when I had his picture in there, I did seven displays that year. Wow. That, that's, and that, even for me, that's a lot. Usually I'm lucky enough if I can do three or four, but to do seven in one year, wow. Yeah, truly. And I'm just thinking of the logistics of all of that, like, because these are, it's not a small project (laughs) to move around. 40 pounds of Legos. Yeah. 40 pounds. uh, Requires either two people to move or a coffee cart to sit it on and can be pushed. But yeah, and and you have to figure, I don't drive. I don't have my own vehicle. So I have to, in order for me to be able to do a display, I have to have volunteers for one to come out and help me not only get myself to the display, but also get the project out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God bless. And, and one, of the thing, one of the things I want to highlight to your, to the audience too, is that I have lights inside. Yes. That is such a cool feature. <laughs> I've got, I've got two strands of Christmas tree lights inside the project, just off the shelf it. led Christmas tree lights. They do a wonderful job of keeping everything lit so people can actually see inside. And the, the story about that is that when I did season one, that was also the first year I actually had Christmas tree lights, but that was an afterthought that I didn't come up with until after I had finished the building. So I actually had to literally tear off the roof and rebuild the roof from scratch to accommodate the lights. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like challenge wise, you know, it's, I'm sure just as you've done season after season, you've learned something from the prior project and, you know, knowing, you know, how to incorporate lighting and, and, and I can only imagine like, when you start into something, well, and maybe you can speak to this, how do you even start? Like, cause you have this vision for what you want your, your next church to look like. So you have to start at the bottom. You have to start with the foundation and, um, and go up from there. But, um, what kind of challenges do you face as you are starting out a new project? Well, I never know where this, I never know where the story is going to take me until I sit down with the bricks. I never know what God has planned as I'm working, as I'm praying. I can have a thousand and one ideas, but the chances of how many of those actually make it into the final building remain to be seen. Mm. 
Uh, I can, every time I'm looking at my existing season, I'm always looking to see what do I want to do differently. But in the end, it's always in God's hands where I'm going to go with it. Uh, the last couple of years have been fairly close to the vision that I've had in my mind, but I'm also always open to what the Lord has to say. Uh, I'm praying with my hands as I'm working. Uh, that is something that I firmly believe in uh, because I'm taking all the whatever issues I'm fighting with, whatever challenges, anxieties, struggles, those all go into the bricks. My joys and my sorrows shine through as I'm working. So for me to sit down, uh, I, and it start, there's a little bit of a process too, because I'm always coming up with the layout first, which starts off with a very basic grid pattern. Uh, and, and as your audience looks at the photos of the various galleries I've got, especially like for season 22 and 21, you can actually see how things are kind of developing from start to finish. Uh, never used to include those in the early seasons, but mm -hmm. fans and people wanted to see how this came together. Sure. So, and it kind of becomes part of the story. So as I'm posting these photos on social media, people are seeing with their own eyes what I'm going through what's working, what's not working. <laughs> and I always have a couple ideas of what I want to do. And things are constantly changing. Some ideas that may have worked last year may not work in the next year. Mm -hmm. uh, I may have learned some structural of some structural problems that may have been in the existing seasons. And I work around those, which I love to do. I love that challenge of being able to, to be able to sit and come up with solutions to those problems. And you have to figure, number one, I'm not a trained architect. I'm, I've got no, my, my schooling is very limited. I made high school, made a little bit of college, but beyond that, I didn't do much else further. So and I, I think we should have like Lego degrees though. I think that's something we need to start. Like oh, there, there, are, <laughs> there are a lot of Lego masters out there and, I, and I'm still studying. I am still learning. I'm always willing to learn. Uh, I'm always looking at new techniques, whether through uh, official Lego company stuff. Uh, I don't buy very many sets anymore, uh, but sometimes I will just so I can see what's going on. How did they yeah. come up with these uh, solutions to build these uh, rather impressive things? Like not long ago, I built the uh, Lego uh, Nintendo set. Oh, I saw uh, that one. Very cool. Replica, replica of the uh, Lego Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System and the television. Very complex build. Took me about eight hours over the course of two days, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, I bet. I, I learned I learned a little bit more about how some of the brackets interconnect. And I'm you may eventually see some of that in the future seasons <laughs> as I'm as I'm coming up with new ideas to to solve problems and such. Yeah. Well, you have to buy sets on occasion to like yeah, get new ideas and to replenish your stock too and, and get new pieces, I'm sure. <laughs> so I can't well, imagine using... how many pieces you have. <laughs> well, I've got I've got the 25-gallon bin uh, in the living room, which has all the parts that didn't go into the project. <laughs> wow. But I'm that's a... what's left over. <laughs> that is that is the one place that I I, ha I have I like to avoid going into because you number one do I have it and if I do have it where is it <laughs> yeah but it, it's like it's like the old Scrooge McDuck from uh, Ducktales diving into his uh, money vault <laughs> it brings you joy <laughs> is that what you're saying <laughs> uh, I wouldn't necessarily say joy but uh, 
Well, and it's kind of funny because I go I go on Bricklink, which is a online marketplace, flea market, uh, which used to be an independent operation. Lego uh, bought it out a couple about a year or two ago, uh, and for the most part, it's been running pretty smoothly. I'll find independent vendors on there, and they'll have parts that I'm looking for. Yeah. I reuse all the most of the stuff that gets goes into my project that gets reused and sometimes parts wear out sometimes parts sure. break or or they lose their ability and that's just part for the course I'm, I'm putting these bricks under a lot of pressure uh the structure required to keep everything together uh, is impressive uh because i literally got two different uh tie-in systems that i use uh for both the lower half and then the upper half which keeps everything fairly rigid but there's still a little bit of flexibility when it moves uh, so it doesn't completely fall apart on me. <laughs> yeah, you can't have that. Oy. Yeah, it's so cool. I, I just think this is such a unique um, artistry. And, you know, talk about the ultimate recycle uh, recycle method of, you know, art too. We can't, as painters can't recycle things as well as you do. So it's, yeah. just, it's very cool. So um, you hinted at there's definitely different elements that you try to incorporate into your design. So are there any specific elements that you try to bring into every design and why are those there? Well, you have to figure uh, your typical Catholic parish has things in a very unique layout. Uh, The tabernacle is usually in a spot where it is easily seen. Uh, You have where the priest uh, pre- uh, priest presides, you have his chair, you have everything else, uh, usually a baptismal font. Uh, where that is usually placed, it kind of varies depending on the church. Some have theirs as a small pedestal in the back, some have theirs right up in the front near the altar. Uh, it just kind of varies, but there's always those unique things that, that as a Catholic, as I'm looking into, I'm looking into where they are in the church so I can bring that into my own work. Uh, the one of the typical designs that I have that I reuse constantly is the what I call the Grand Cross, and it is usually located in a very prominent spot, either in the back of the church, in the center, or in the front of the church above the altar. And what it is, it is a translucent red and yellow cross, series of three crosses that are with each one kind of nesting in, in each other. And it's it's a design that I've been using since at least season five in some form or another. Uh, but it also, it's a very important statement to me because it's kind of like my personal signature. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of seasons, I've also had this giant roof cross that I built. <laughs> and it was originally just a couple of roof tiles connected together. It was not very uh, well built, very uh, challenging to move. And even getting into place. And then a couple of years ago, I tore it down and rebuilt it from scratch, uh, which I've got pictures of somewhere on one of the seasons where I actually went through and showed, photoed what I was doing. And, and I've got the picture, my current profile picture on Twitter, and I believe on my Facebook page, uh, shows me holding it just oh. to put it in perspective. Yeah, yeah. Because it weighs, it weighs a couple of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it's it's a bold statement though and, and there's kind of a story with that I kind of got the idea in my head uh during during an event called World Youth Day back in Toronto uh I was have I had the chance of attending and one of the groups that was doing something they were trying to find all this treasure so to speak they were doing like this comedic pirate sketch and finally 
the person pulls out this giant wooden cross. The entire room fell silent. Mm -hmm. And then everyone broke out. The, you heard the wave of meal as the kneelers were coming down, people were getting onto their knees. That, and so those little kind of little things kind of stand out as I'm doing my work. And I'm constantly reminding of those, those feelings and those emotions uh, of, of what I've been through and where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you are. And you, you hinted at this in our prior question, just like how you approach your work and how you allow the Holy Spirit to really be alongside you in everything that you're doing and what you're pouring into these designs. And I think it's just, it's awesome, you know, and it's, it's a good um, encouragement to any of us, um, all of these creative Christians listening in to, um, to enjoy that process, to really listen well and to let uh, what God is writing on our journey and through our lives to, you know, be poured into our work because he's, he wants us to be, you know, telling our unique stories and sharing our unique experiences with the world. Yeah. Pouring, pouring our individual lives and our indiv individual circumstances and experiences into what we do. And, um, okay. I love this. So, um, <laughs> when you, you, so you, you do a lot of displays. I didn't realize you do as many displays as you actually do. How do you share your work with the public? Is it primarily churches where these um, displays are hosted? And, you know, and what kind of, what kind of feedback do you really enjoy um, getting from those display opportunities? Well, I usually do two types of displays. Uh, what I refer to as my parish displays, where I will usually set up for one uh, to two weekends, depending on uh, what the parish is like, how it's set up, how many campuses do they have. Uh, some parishes have more than one location, so I'll try and display at both locations if at all possible. Those will usually run me two to three weekends, depending on the location. Uh, the uh, St. Helens Christ the Good Shepherd display, that is my longest one. That will run like, for several weeks. Uh, but that's, there's a story behind that one, uh, which I've already kind of alluded to a little bit in some of our talk. The other type of event I do are usually referred to as single event. Those I will set up for about five or six hours and then take it home that afternoon. Uh, those will either be like one-off events like conferences or something mm -hmm. or holiday bazaars that I've been invited to come out to. Uh, so it gives people different chances to see the work. And the reactions are kind of fun. You, you, get, you get the younger kids who just love it because it's Lego, it's big. It's something that they can look inside. They can see all the details. They can find where R2-D2 is hiding, stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome. But, the, but then you also get the adults who also see the people in the wheelchairs, the, the oh. woman in the power chair uh, of my own design. You see a lot. They see a lot of themselves sitting inside that church. Mm. They, they see the church full of people, and they make a lot of comments about how their churches may not be like that. And what I tell them to that is, is not a reflection of the past, of how our churches used to be. Rather, it is a prayer of how our parishes should be. Mm. And that's one of the things that people really get, they, they really feel it in their heart when they're looking at my work, because sometimes they see a little bit of themselves. 
they see a figure and it reminds them of something that has gone on. I've seen people comment on wheelchairs and they see someone they know. So there's always that that rather impressive reaction from not only just the kids. The kids just adore it. I've had nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds just looking inside, pointing out every little thing, sometimes stuff that I even forgot I put in. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it is so it's so much fun though. Good. But then you get the older you get, then you get the older generation who are looking through. And something connects with them that they may have lost along the way. Mm-hmm. Then you, of course, you sometimes get parents whose child may have a disability. They may be struggling and they see that, oh, wow, this guy has a disability. And yet look what God is doing for him. That may give my child hope. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I always like to try and bring my work is hope. Hope that no matter what challenge we face, no matter what disability, and sometimes the words are interchangeable. Some people may have a health condition. They may not see it as a disability. Others might. They just may see it as a roadblock or some kind of challenge. So I use both terms interchangeably because not everyone sees things in the same way. Right. Uh, but it still, it shows them that, that God can still use their talents. A firm message that I believe in truly. I love it. I love how you um, so clearly are able to exhibit that in your work and then just able to communicate that to people. And I'm sure that some of those moments where families have come and there may be, yeah, a, a, a parent struggling with how do I encourage this, this little one God has gifted to me, but how do I face the challenges that are potentially ahead? And how do I encourage them forward to have somebody like you to, um, to speak into their situation and to really encourage them. That's such a gift. So, yeah. Well, for me, I have mobility issues. My balance is shot to heck, Mm -hmm. either through a combination of cerebral palsy, my weight, which I'm a very big fellow. And yet I'm still able to ride a trike, uh, a pedal trike, uh, which I do quite frequently, sometimes to the surprise of those around me (laughs) as to how far I'm willing to travel. But it goes back to another model that I have. Uh, One of the things I'm often known for saying is, by the grace of God, I'm still standing. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean in a literal, physical sense. But to me, it also means that that no matter what storm we face, God is with me no matter what. I have been blessed beyond all measure. And I've overcome things that most people never thought I could. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I overcome things that I even never, even myself never thought I could. Uh, I, I've been very blessed within my parish to have found the people that I, that I adore to no end. Friends who have been able to help me uh, be able to make it to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, because not everyone's blessed with the ability to find their own ride, uh, which is an issue that I talk about quite frequently. Uh, out of all the issues that I face within the disability, the issue of transportation is one that's very close to my heart because it's one that I deal with. Right. Uh, on a daily level. And yet God has been kind enough to me. So the question becomes for me, what can I do to help others to bring awareness to these issues so that they can also get that kind of blessing that they may need? Mm. Uh, it's not just about myself. It's about how can I help everyone else? I love this, it. This, this, this project is not about what I can do it is how God works through me. That's what, and that's what keeps me doing this year after year. 
for 22 years. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be something spurring you on. And I and I love the sense of community that you bring to your projects. Like the the glimpses like you were saying this is this is what this is what community in our churches should look like or could yeah. look like. I love that. I really love and, and that. I, and I and while I do speak from a Catholic perspective, I believe that there's a lot of universal things that people of all faiths can gather from my work. Uh, if anyone's ever curious about the church, but don't necessarily feel comfortable actually going up to your local Catholic parish, you can take a look and see what I, what I'm doing, and they, you can get a, a snapshot. I've had people from all faiths comment on my work. Uh, I actually took the parish for a couple seasons to a uh, fun fair that a Lutheran parish nearby me was having. Hmm. Uh, so, so I've done some very different kind of displays over the years. But those are a lot of fun. Uh, you get a lot of interesting questions and a lot of, oh, why did he do things that way? Oh, why did he do things that way? And then, of course, you got the little surprises in there, too. <laughs> Just these little off-the-wall things. I've got a very unique sense of humor, and you have to. Uh, you have to be able to You have to be able to laugh at life, sometimes laugh at yourself, and just take things in stride as much as you can, even though there are some days when that can be very challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And putting R2-D2 in a church display sounds like the perfect way to do that. I love it. I absolutely I put love R2, it. I've been putting R2-D2 somewhere inside the project for the last several years. And true story, I actually thought I forgot to put him in in season 22. Uh-oh. I've got the project about halfway finished. I'm trying to figure out, oh, where did I put him? I'm getting ready to start the final roof phase. And I'm looking in, can't find him in any of my trays, wondering if I have to go find uh, buy one on the spur of the moment. And I find where I put him in one of the most obscure, strange spots I've ever put him inside the project. <laughs> it's like... It's like, what the heck was I thinking at the time? <laughs> well, that'll be the challenge for this season is, can you find R2-D2? That will be the challenge the, the kids, for everybody. The kids who are closer to the ground and to the doors, they will be able to see him fairly easily. Us Perfect. adults, on the other hand, <laughs> we're going to bend, we're gonna have to bend our backs. <laughs> I love it. Oh, the kids will be thrilled. They'll be like, well, I found him. So <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for a kid to tell me that. I remember, I remember one time, uh, I can't remember. The season doesn't matter in this one, but some kid came up to me. So yeah, I found R2-D2. I found where you hit him. <laughs> I found where you hit him. That's so cool. He I was just, and he was proud of himself. He had this big smile on his face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's the challenge. Okay, everybody. So we're going to have to look closely at the pictures, see if you can find him too. I love it. So Actually, I did take, a, did take a picture of where he was at. Just so oh, I you know. did. So he yeah. Is, okay. So spoiler alert, you know, we can, we can cheat it's a little it's bit. In the season, it's in the season 22 gallery somewhere where I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's talk about that gallery a little bit. Cause this is definitely something we're going to want to share with everybody as a resource. How do you, how do you compile these seasonal photos and how do you share those out? What resources have you found helpful in sharing your work? I have the Facebook page, Lego Church Project. I've had it since 2011. Uh, it was kind of started as a whim because a couple of my friends were insisting that I start my own page. Uh, the first eh, five or six seasons, I really didn't do much with it. I posted the photos as the project was finished. Later on, though, people started to want to see. They wanted to start me to wanted to see what I was doing. How I was, was I building these things? Mm -hmm. So I started including those photos 
And for every season that I have, I have the photos of that gear. The first ones are like only like five or six photos. But as I've gotten more involved, they become a lot more to the point where I separate out the galleries to the uh, build portion and the display portion where I take photos of my display locations. Just to document where I've been, uh, just to document, just to see where I've been, see where I'm going. I've got photos of the various Christmas displays that I've done. Uh, and I think that kind of is the important part for me as, as we head into Advent, head into Christmas. Even with this pandemic, uh, I was able to do my annual Christmas display uh, last year, which I didn't think was possible with all the restrictions that were in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been since 2003. Every year, I have taken the project to St. Helens, also called Christ the Good Shepherd. Uh, starts usually about the first or second weekend of Advent and run all the way to the end of January, or middle of January, excuse me. And it sits in the vestibule of the church so everyone can have a chance to see it. And that's what really kind of, for me, the project was always a Christmas project to begin with. So it is only fitting that that Christmas time is the last display of that year. Yeah. But for me personally, it's my home parish. This is where I go. Uh, this is where I grew up. Yeah, so for community. me to bring it to, for me to bring it to that location is impressive enough as it is uh, to be able to be a part of something to be a part of the parish community. I'm part of the choir over there uh, and have been for a good number of years. Uh, so for me to be an active participant in the church life means a lot to me, mm-hmm. and I've always been very thankful that I have such support of. Uh, the staff there, the people there. Uh, I've, 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 I've give props to Father Emmett Marceau, God rest his soul, uh, to Father Ryan Wagner, uh, and to Father Bill now, uh, our third pastor since I've been there. Uh, as soon as they each one found out about my work, they they wanted me to be included. Mm. And when with this pandemic starting to hit, we also changed priests for the first time in a while. That's always a nerve-wracking time under normal circumstances. You yeah. don't know, is, it, is this priest going to like it, like it or not? Uh, last year, we had the associate, our associate priest who was not too keen on my work, which is eh, fine. Uh, that happens. But Father Bill, on the other hand, just loves what I'm doing, uh, loves the mission behind it. Uh, and so he made sure that, that it was not an issue. And that meant the world to me. Uh, to be able to do that, to be able to share my gifts with others. Yeah, absolutely. This, this is this, this is not something I do just for myself. I do it for everyone. I love it. Yeah, and that support and that encouragement is so key in what we do. Um, so I'm glad that's that's ongoing for you. Um, okay, so when this project comes home at the end of a season and you start to take it apart what is that I'm just I'm just thinking through like the emotional process of that is that a hard thing basically it is very demanding to do Mm. it can be very hard on the figure uh, fingers because I'm moving um I have at least a couple thousand one by one round pieces in some of the tile work I do uh paint scraper is is a must to to be able to lift those up safely ah pro tip yeah, paint scraper. So, so I, and the bitter amusement is that that the uh, name on the handle is Red Devil. 
<laughs> There's something ironic about that, John. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I have found that it is the most effective way to, to get those pieces up and save my fingertips from being sore. The, the process, the process of teardown can take about two different two days to do, depending on how ambitious am I. Mm. And it's a very bittersweet moment because it is literally the end of the season. Yeah. I'm concluding one chapter of my life, but there's also a bit of a hint of excitement. Uh, there's that hint because I'm getting ready to start the next chapter. Okay. Uh, that I'm getting to, I'm getting literally to write down what's going to happen next. And I have no idea where God is going to send me. I don't have no idea what God is going to do. All I know is that there's a church in the works and that mental planning, the mental Minecraft kind of starts now as I'm looking over the existing season, hmm. figuring out, starting to get the parts together, starting to get ideas together. What do I want to do? How do I want to do this? What's God going to have me do in as well? All of those are going through my head as I'm doing the teardown. I'm getting ready. I'm getting mentally prepared. And then within a couple of weeks after the teardown, I pull out the board again, get everything lined up and start the process all over again. And there's such excitement. Mm. I love that. It's kind of a, it's a neat picture of to not grieve things that have run their course. They've had their time and to almost, you know, walk that close that closing process as an opportunity to get excited about what God has next. I think that's, there's a huge lesson in that. And um, yeah, I just, I, I know how long building intricate displays can take. Uh, and, you know, I, my son does not seem to have any problems taking apart something that took him days to build. He likes to destroy things, I think, and just then build whatever. And so, but me, like after I spend hours and hours helping him with a display or something, I'm like, why'd you take it apart? That took so long. And so I guess different people would approach our work differently, like more willing to move on and excited for the next thing. I think that's a good lesson for, for me that has a hard time moving on from something that I spent so much time on. <laughs> yeah. But as I said, there's always that challenge. And I love yeah. that challenge. I love the challenge to be able to sit and work with what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I said, I may have a thousand and one ideas, but sometimes God sends me in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would love to ask you about that. Just this, this process of working with the Lord and inviting him in. Um, how, how has God encouraged you over the years here? I mean, 22 seasons of doing this and, and him encouraging you forward, just what has been some of the biggest blessings from doing this with him? He has allowed me to go to places that I otherwise would not have expected to go. Mm. And not necessarily in a literal, physical sense of where the project's going. I have been able to reach out and connect with a lot more people than I otherwise would have. Social media, uh, both Facebook and Twitter, has been an amazing resource for me in that. Uh, sometimes it is, uh, God has allowed me to share different writings, reflections that I've written from a perspective of disability and faith uh, because the disability does shape how I see the world. Yeah. I, I may not see it in a typical way uh, compared to other people, but at the same time, I am blessed beyond all measure with what I've been able to do 
and being able to share that with everyone else. Uh, it, it's something that means the world to me. Uh, I'm doing things that I never thought I could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even talking, coming on on a program to talk about this stuff. I've got a little bit of a background in amateur radio, so I, I'm able to do that radio kind of bit and understand how it works. But still, just to be able to actually put it to use. <laughs> yeah. if, if you were to tell me 10 years ago that this is what I'd be doing with my life, I would have thought you nuts. <laughs> but yet, here I am. Uh, yeah. Here I am. But, uh, by the grace of God, I'm still able to do this, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and I, I'm sure your community is thankful, too. I bet this is something some of them really look forward to. So that's very good. Well, John, um, let's talk a little bit about your advocacy for the disabled. Um, how, and you talked a little bit about like when you're actually sitting next to your displays, some of those conversations that you can have, but how do you really, what's your heart toward the disabled community and, and just um, the awareness, building awareness of it? And how do you go about um, doing that, communicating that? Well, I think one of the interesting challenges that we have is presenting the issue in a way that is respectful to those around us. Uh, a lot of the times that I run into when it comes into certain issues is people may not be aware of it. Uh, recently, uh, I've done I've done blog posts talking about the issue of transportation in the Catholic Church and how it is a need that most people may not realize what's going on. Uh, and but you, and to approach that in a way that brings light to the issue but it also does not bring condemnation. Hmm. It is easy for someone like with me with a disability to get our passions fired up. We see that something that is wrong and we can get angry about it. And while I think to some degree, anger can have its place, it, you have to temper that a little bit because you don't want to come across too harshly. You want to find a solution to the problem at hand and one that, that is probably the best compromise possible. And as someone who is constantly bringing light to issues, I think that is an important way of doing things. You don't want to come across uh, like a bull in a china shop because mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to get anything done. Yeah, um, anger can shut people down a lot. <laughs> I, I think I think with my project that I'm able to approach things visually. They, they when you look at the project, you see all the people that are in there. Uh, not just your standard Lego, Lego figures, but I've got a few other little surprises in there. Uh, but that kind of brings an understanding of being inclusive, mm-hmm. uh, not just with the issues of race, but also with issues of disability. I have people with wheelchairs. I've got uh, a guide dog, service dog in there. Uh, I've got a woman in a power chair, which is based off an actual person that I know. Mm-hmm. So I try and bring in all these things into my work to highlight those issues in a way that is constructive, not destructive. Yeah. And almost start the conversation uh, kindly and gently. Very good. And and, and for me, disability awareness is not about always making accommodations physical, like like with wheelchair ramps and and whatnot. And while that is very important and should always be brought to the attention, it starts with the right kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. If, If our hearts are welcoming, then we're going to be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that person is included in all things. And I think that's one of the messages that I try and bring with my work. Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I love it, John. 
Um, so let's, let's kind of start to wrap up. Can you tell us, uh, about your current project, how it's going and what you're most excited about? Well, we're still working out some details. Uh, by the time this will air, uh, I'll be getting ready to do my Christmas display, which will be at Christ the Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Saginaw, Michigan. I'll have a lot of information on that display coming up on the Facebook page, Lego Church Project, and on, and on Twitter under uh, KC8WZM. I'm constantly posting stuff on both accounts. Uh, on the Twitter, I've been known to post uh, random threads of various histories with little unique little tidbits. Uh, I'm always doing those. Every so yeah. often, people will just wonder, well, what am I doing? How am I doing it? Uh, season 22 took me about two months to build, and I think it's one of my impressive ones. I think it really came together very well. Uh, kind of a few surprises in how I ended up doing the build a little bit. Uh, some things I did that I wasn't expecting to do, but actually turned out way more beautiful than I could ever hoped. Awesome. <laughs> so, fun. so, yeah, and this has got about 30,000 pieces, if not more, in there. Oh, my gosh. And the only reason why I even suspect that many is because of the way that I did the cross members for both the lower half and the uh, upper half, because the upper half literally is made up of the the, the, the tie-in row, as I call it, is made up of multiple layers of plates, three layers of plates equal one brick, and I've got a lot of them in there. Oh, my goodness. I think you need an honorary structural engineer job or title. I really think you've earned it at this point, John. <laughs> well, I used to have a cat for several seasons and I had to build it strong enough that she wouldn't put her paw through. <laughs> uh, that's a feat then. Yeah. That, yeah. Cause I, she used to, she did that one time. She stood up on top of the project and put her paw into and you're discovered like, no, the, no, 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 <laughs> discovered the discovered the weak spot in the uh, roof. <laughs> Oh and of course, I, of course, I had company over at the time. Of course, <laughs> that's always when that stuff happens. Oh my word! And, and he and he was just like amazed. Number one, the fact that I, how calm I was, oh. and how I just came down, picked picked up the pieces, put them back together in ten minutes. Oh wow! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, is it cat strong? Is it cat stable? That's it. actually one of the questions I had at one point. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, John, uh, as we wrap up, how can our listeners connect with you? I, you've mentioned Facebook and Twitter. Are there any other places that they can find you? Uh, if you do a Google search for me, you'll also find the praying at the bricks, uh, blog. Uh, oh. sometimes I don't, I don't post very often on there. Uh, but when I do, it's usually something rather impressive. So. I love it. <laughs> well, we will link that blog as well. So people can find you there. That's awesome. Okay, well, let's close out our time. I would love to pray for you and your upcoming Advent project. It. And um, yeah, just thank you for your time today. And um, let's go to prayer. Well, Father God, thank you so much for this time with John, just to hear um, about what he's up to and how you have encouraged him forward in his work and how you're using this unique artistry for your glory, Lord. And Thank you for the messages that he brings through these displays and what you're teaching your people um, through what he builds, what he creates. And it's, it's such a unique way to display your goodness and your grace, uh, your love for your people, Lord. And we just thank you 
um, for how you've called him into this. And we pray for this upcoming season of displays and uh, may those that get to partake of it in person be blessed and see something that might pierce their heart and grow them forward into um, just being more aware and kind and accepting and uh, helpful to their community, Lord. And we just, we pray blessing on John as he finishes things up, wraps it up and transports uh, these projects to uh, their various locations. And just, um, yeah, just thank you for his time today and his willingness to um, pour into our community here at Creatively Christian. And um, we pray for many, many more seasons to come for him. Um, Thank you, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, John, uh, what final message would you love to leave with our creative community here? Never be afraid to share your talents with others. You never know where God will send you. Always be open to the will of the Holy Spirit, and you will be blessed beyond all measure. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, John. This was so good. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. To see the resources mentioned in this episode, you can head over to theophanymedia.com forward slash Lego. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Bill Brooks, and Lynn Baber. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day and keep on creating for our Lord.